Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicalist, as you are no doubt aware, because if you are starting listening to this podcast at episode 310, that is weird. Starting at the first, sure, yeah, that's that's weird as well, because it goes a long way back, but starting at 310, just randomly choosing this episode to start with, you're weird for doing that, and I love you. And if you have done that, I can assure you, your weirdness will mean that we will get along. We will also get along if I let you know that there will be spoilers. I let everyone know, not just you that I'm talking to, that rhymes, and you know it rhymes. Uh, yeah, probably spoilers, not 100% chance, but enough that I give a warning at the top of every show. So be warned, be forewarned, be forearmed. Another thing I like to say at the top of every show is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes as those are things that podcasts like. It's like petting a cat but petting a podcast with your likes and subscribes and comments is what it is, is what it is. I think uh, that just about sums up what happens at the top of every show for the most part. Uh, I'm going to push a button, and that will indicate that we are starting. Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Anti-Cutaneous Horn Facial Peel Cream. Thank you for that sponsor for sponsoring this segment in which it appears I have three movies, which is a fair amount to squeeze into five minutes and I often have trouble doing so. So, so I'm going to try to do it quicker than I normally have been doing. Wish me luck. Movie the first is called Whiplash, uh, Academy Award nominee winner. I don't actually pay attention so much to the awards. I know it was in there somewhere. And uh, I can verify that it is a good movie. Uh, I think on that note, because I will forget otherwise, as I sometimes do if I don't give my rating right when I remember to do so, uh, I think I'd go five out of five. You know what? Uh... For the drumming and the fact that throughout the course of the entire movie, I felt it difficult to sit still because of the drumming, the constant drumming, uh, I'd give it a 5 out of 5. It pulled me into the degree where I literally did feel like I had trouble sitting still. I can't ever remember that happening to me, to myself, <laughs> to myself, rather. Uh, so, so that was kind of interesting. 
just from even a psychological standpoint. Um, but if that does not sound something that interests you, uh, I'd maybe go as low as a four, but, uh, but I'm going to stick with five. Yeah. Convoluted rating that I am known for is what that just was. Wow. Uh, let me do as I've done all of these post episode 300s, which is read the IMDB page for this, just to give you a very, very slight idea of what Whiplash is about. A promising young drummer enrolls at a cutthroat music conservatory. Conservatory. Hmm. Uh, where his dreams of greatness are mentored by an instructor who will stop at nothing to realize a student's potential. Uh, raises some very, very interesting questions. Uh, J.K. Simmons, who plays the instructor, uh, just phenomenal. I haven't seen acting him by himself give a six out of five on this uh he's just incredible one thing this reminded me of which uh, i'm a little upset by that i forgot is that uh, i purchased before the missus and i moved into our new house probably about a year beforehand uh a from thinkgeek.com who is not a sponsor i've already given my anti-aging subcutaneous horn sponsor so they're not a sponsor uh, they, uh, I purchased from them a talking, um, a talking piece of art, which has J.K. Simmons, uh, on it is, if you don't know, he did the voice of, oh, I can't remember his name, from the Portal series, he did a voice in that, and, um, in that game, he has very funny lines, uh-huh, and, uh, the, 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 the frame, I guess says those lines and it's his portrait from those video games. So, uh, that reminded me of that and the fact that I haven't hung that yet. Uh, so thanks. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, the young man who played the aspiring drummer was Miles Teller, who looked kind of familiar. He was very, very good as well. Uh, I can easily see him being in movies in the future with as good as he was in this. So good for him. Sure. I, I know he's been waiting for my approval to uh, come out, so there you have it, Miles Teller. Oh boy. Uh, regardless, please uh, check this movie out. Definitely deserves a watch. Moving on to movie the second called Horns. If you are a regular listener, you will know that I watched a movie called Tusk <laughs> thinking that it was this movie. Yes. Uh, I'd heard of this movie a while back and it looked interesting, so I planned to watch it. Uh, and then time passed, <laughs> and then I saw a movie called Tuscan, and I'm like, oh yeah, there's that movie with Daniel Radcliffe where he has horns. <laughs> and then I was pretty blown away by what that movie actually was. Actually was, uh, go back and listen to that. Uh, I recommend the movie Tusk if you like an incredibly f just fucked up movie. Because that was, this was fucked up to a lesser degree. Still, still amount of fucked upness. So, uh, let me read. It's, I am Debu. In the aftermath of his girlfriend's mysterious death, a young man awakens to find strange horns spouting from his temple. Uh, this sort of premise has me written all over it. I, I love this sort of idea of taking, uh, uh, I don't want to say an everyday occurrence where someone's girlfriend is killed, but let's say an everyday. No. See, I can never fit it in. <laughs> That's what she said. Um, what? <laughs> okay. Uh, 
What was I saying? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, taking a, not an everyday occurrence, but an everyday movie occurrence, like someone's girlfriend's dying, and then adding this craziness to it where uh, the boyfriend develop horns and people will start uh, revealing to him their, their deepest, darkest fantasies because of these horns. I'm not going to give too much away because obviously I'm already out of time. I'm over time right now. But uh, Daniel Radcliffe, good in this. What I think I like mo most about this movie is that uh, Daniel Radcliffe had the potential, I think, to get stuck in a Harry Potter type roles and sort of clean cut, uh, boring, <laughs> boring roles. But uh, he took a chance on this one and did something crazy, which uh, I think is very, very smart of him to do so, because that's how you get different and varied roles and not the same thing every time. So good for him. Oh, movie rating. Yes, I suppose I should do that. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'm going to go four out of five, solid four out of five. Uh, if you like weirdness added to a somewhat normal story, which this is, I suppose that's one way to describe it. Uh, I think uh, I'll burp and then say that you'll like this. Uh, lastly is uh, Inherent Vice. In 1970, drug-fueled Los Angeles, Detective Larry Doc Sportello investigates the disappearance of a former girlfriend. Oh, another... Missing girlfriend, dead, presumably. This uh, stars Joaquin Phoenix, who's good. Yeah, uh, the movie didn't blow me away, and I'm out of time, and I want to move on. So, I'm just going to say three out of five. Maybe a little less, to be honest with you. Maybe a little less. Today's television talk sponsor is Doctor Who's H-U anti-aging facial peel cream. Thank you for sponsoring this television talk, in which I will talk of television, no doubt, specifically Doctor Who. Yes, yes. What I have decided to do was restart watching Doctor Who from the beginning. Uh, beginning is a tough thing to define, I suppose, when it comes to Doctor Who. From the beginning of when I first started watching it many years ago, which is with episode, uh, I don't know, numbers, but uh, the first episode with Christopher Eccleston, Doctor number nine, or Nuff, if you prefer French, Nuff, Nuff? Wheat, enough. Sorry, trying to think back to my French there, and it pains me to do so. Again, if you're sort of a, a regular listener of the podcast, you'll know I've brought back many episodes of Doctor Who, all new ones. You could sort of plan that I will bring them back as they air, because it's one of the few shows that are actually currently on television that I do watch while, not while they air, but the day after I watch them online anyway. Uh, I decided that it was time to revisit them from the beginning, and I am happy that I have done so. Uh, I'm up to, uh, what do I have here, uh, the first two seasons of David Tennant. David Tennant, who comes after Christopher Eccleston, uh, David Tennant, who was my favorite of all the Doctors so far. Uh, 
with the season one, I'm just going to go ahead and call it because it was my season one, the first season I watched, uh, we're introduced to Rose Tyler, who's probably one of my favorite companions. If you're unfamiliar with Dr. Hugh, Hugh, <laughs> Dr. Who, I pity you and envy you. Pity because uh, you've never seen this amazing show, the show that probably, possibly, maybe, I think it might have moved into my favorite show of all time, just period, uh, and uh, envy you because you haven't seen them yet, so you can watch them from the beginning. Available on Netflix, I should mention. Uh, for example, episode number one with Chris Eccleston and uh, Rose Tyler, they go to the end of the world, and and I mean to the end of the world where the earth is going to be destroyed that that is their first trip in their time machine the tardis so that's pretty incredible to start there at the end of the world very very smart to what it was a, a reboot of the series at the end of the world is kind of a, a cool thing to do um we've got bad wolf hmm if you ever see bad wolf written on a wall or on the back of a chair, say, or, or or anywhere like that, any sort of graffitied bad wolf, you'll know that a Doctor Who fan <laughs> has been there. Very, very mysterious. I don't have time to get into it, but awesome. Uh, Captain Jack. Oh, yeah, introduced to Captain Jack. Uh, that I wanted to bring up because uh, I've got to give myself a little plug here, and that is Nerd Cane Adventures. If you, the listener of this, were to Google Nerd Cane Adventures, uh, you will see pictures of famous folk holding a nerdy cane and autographing it, the first of which was Captain Jack. Yeah, the very first person to sign it was uh, was none other than John Barrowman. Barrowman? Barrowman? So uh, that sort of triggered that memory in me, and I bring it up here to plug thusly. Uh, and I think probably my favorite couple episodes with Eccleston are the uh, Are You My Mommy uh, little kid with the gas mask on. You know what I'm talking about if you're a Doctor Who fan, which I hope you are. And I think potentially those listening to this, someone who would listen to me talk of Doctor Who is probably a Doctor Who fan. That sort of stands to reason, I suppose. There's a sort of logic there. No? Yes? No? Uh, Yeah, very, very creepy, those Are You My Mommy. If, if you don't know what Doctor Who is, just type in Doctor Who... Are you my mommy? And uh, prepare to be chilled and spilled. Well, maybe not spilled. Uh, moving on to David Tennant. Uh, here we have some more Rose Tyler. There, I think, I don't know if Rose is my favorite companion. That's kind of hard to say. But I think the interaction between David Tennant and Rose Tyler may be my favorite interactions of uh, of companions and doctors. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely up there, definitely up there. Uh, we get our first uh, view of Donna Noble, who I really liked as well, as well as, well as uh, Martha Jones. We've got some Cybermen. Mm-hmm. We've got some Daleks. We've got them fighting each other, which I remember the first time I saw that, just being incredibly blown away. Another thing is, <laughs> speaking of blown away, is during this uh, Doctor... During these two seasons, uh, the Doctor fights Satan. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's something. That's something. And uh, also sort of getting introduced to the Master. That's kind of where I am watching it right now. So, all good. All just so many memories flooding back watching these again. And I'm glad I'm doing so. Because uh, I felt kind of bad. Uh, 
when it comes to Star Trek, I've seen every episode of every Star Trek, probably three to an embarrassing number amount of times, depending on the episode. Uh, with with Doctor Who, pretty much just the one time, the one the one watch, um, maybe a couple of the episodes more than once, but that's it. So I decided it was time to to catch up a little bit with Doctor Who as compared to Star Trek. So that is what I'm doing. Uh, doing I'm talking very fast. Uh, one thing I've written down here is, uh, and this is just sort of a, a thesis idea, perhaps you would call it. And that is, uh, a superhero is only as good as his villain. That's sort of a, a statement that I'm not being the first person to say, but it, it's out there. That's a lot of people agree on that fact. So my thought is, is a doctor only as, as good as his companions? Is that a reasonable thought as well? So just throwing that out there and now moving on. Today's book banter sponsor is Red Skull's Sunburn Begone Facial Peel Cream. Thank you so very much. Oh shit, <laughs> I didn't queue up my story. Uh, if you've been following along, you'll know that I'm reading part three, or I'm hoping the final part of Big Red, the Jacob Brumfield story. And I'm going to finish it here, come hell, or high water. <laughs> That's only funny if you know what's happening in the story. But I assure you, it's funny. Okay. Uh, Malcolm McCruthers, vice president of the Red-Headed League, then sat down and stared deeply into the eyes of Jacob Brumfield and calmly, almost methodically, continued his oration. In every generation there is a chosen one. She alone will stand against the vampires, the demons, and the forces of darkness. She is the slay- Oh, no, wait. What I mean to say is that you share DNA with Moses, and your reddest of red hair is an indication of a genetic marker that means, like him, you have the ability con to control vast quantities of water with your mind. Too stunned to even talk, too stunned to even talk, even had he been able, Jacob looked from the now closer waters to McCruthers and back again, and did a little math in his head. I see you are starting to get the idea. Like many stories, Moses' parting of the Red Sea was a bit of an exaggeration. He did part them, don't get me wrong, but he was actually just doing so because some brunette jokester had thrown one of his tablets in there. Now, if that power ingrained within him could be used to part an entire sea to retrieve a rock, imagine what would happen if its wielder was dying of thirst. The gleam of insanity in McCruthers' eyes caused Jacob to pee his pants, or rather it would have, had he had any liquid left in his body. Instead, he heard a dusty issue from his trousers. No need to be upset, Mr. Brumfield. When I saw you on the street that day, I knew the time for the prophecy had come. 
Your tirade against the non-ginger cemented my resolve, and here, in this mountain lair, I have gathered together a mass of red-haired humanity that will make the very world tremble. You see, or rather you will hear when I tell you right now, that you are a descendant from the line of Moses himself. That particular redness of hair is a genetic marker that is peculiar to those who can count Moses as a distant relative. It only shows itself in one when the ability to manipulate waters is also present. You, Mr. Brumfield, carry this water manipulation gene. Jacob's mind whirled, which is to say the part of his mind not thinking about his thirst briefly came to the forefront. Vice President slash Officer Malcolm McCruthers strode over to the window and peered outwards and nodded to himself in satisfaction. That seems to be high enough. Get this man some water. A scantily clad Christina Hendricks came in bearing a tray of ice water. Jacob tried to sit up. Other parts of him tried to rise as well. McCruthers made his way over to Jacob and started to untie him. My sincerest thank you for a job done, Mr. Brumfield, or should I say, Mr. President? And with that, he reached into his jacket and pulled out an enormous medal that Flava Flav would have appreciated. Engraved on its giant face was Jacob Brumfield, colon, Red-Headed League Vice President. Red-Headed League President, rather. Vice President McCruthers placed this around Jacob's neck and then bowed deeply. Jacob began chugging water like it was going out of business. Jacob was not sure what that sentence even meant in his water-starved brain. He felt vitality seeping back into his limbs. McCruthers continued his bow unabated. When Christina Hendricks joined in, the sight of Miss Hendricks bowing returned his vitality fully. Jacob peered down at the metal placed around his neck and noticed the front of the engraving was in comic sands. His mind snapped. All that had happened to him in sh such a short period of time came crashing down onto his brain. It pushed out all reasonable thought, and he knew that he had to escape. This was the flight response on crack. Jacob shuffled towards the door of the chamber and found it unlocked. He stepped through, and when the two red-headed two redheads guarding the door saw him, they proceeded to bow at the waist and remain that way. He left them behind at a fast walk. At every intersection were more red-headed guards of varying hues, all of which bowed to Jacob. Jogging, Jacob entered what appeared to be a ca cafeteria full of gingers, all of which stopped what they were doing and bowed in his direction. Running now, he was alone for a brief period, lost in a series of dimly lit corridors when he saw a light headed in that direction. At first, as his red-haired covered legs, as fast as his red-haired covered legs would carry him, he broke through into the sunlight and was further shocked by what appeared to be a man-made amphitheater carved into the side of the mountain. A hush fell over the red-headed crowd and the giant seething mass of red-haired humanity all bowed in unison. Jacob did a quintuple take but ran onwards until he had ran as far as was possible. 
Not because he was exhausted, although he was, but because he had ran out of land. The seas had risen to what some would call an unholy level. By the time Jacob Brumfield had made his way down the rarely trod steps of the McCrullers Marina landing, he found himself in this precarious position due to the fact that he had red hair. Jacob's desire for flight had not yet ex exhausted itself, so, without even one final look over his shoulder, he hopped on a red jet ski and jet skied off into the sunset, never to be seen again. Also, this is the prequel to the 1995 film Waterworld, by the way. Okay, this is going to sound like I'm making it up, but uh, I was looking for like a funny clip from Waterworld to put in at that point, and uh, I found the last scene of Waterworld where they find land. Oh, spoiler warning for Waterworld, I guess I should say. And uh, it turns out that the land that they find is actually Mount Everest, which I totally, totally forgot that that happened in that movie. So, you know, happy, uh, happy accident there with the whole uh, thing there. Bye. All right. Today's game Gabin sponsor is Mario Mario's Antifungal Facial Peel Cream. Thank you. Okay, so uh, what I decided to do was talk about my top 10-ish Nintendo games. Just period. Well, no, not period. That's going to need a little explanation, I suppose. Top 10 Nintendo games that uh, either I still own or... Yeah, yeah, still own. The ones that I still own. That, that, that's a good way to sort of preface this a little bit number 10 beetle adventure racing uh probably not the first racing game i ever played by any stretch of the imagination but one that i remember most for the fact that there were many different routes to take uh in this game and when i say many i mean more than one that you're used to normally in racing games of yore there was one route you drove on it you tried to win here there's all sorts of crazy things going on. Uh, I remember like aliens flying, flying around and barns bursting open and just, just crazy things going on while racing. Uh, you can find better examples of this happening in newer games, but uh, I still have fond memories of this one. So, you know, there. Number nine, Turok 3, Shadow of Oblivion. Uh, probably if I were to dust this game off and play it again, I would realize it's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad. But I do remember I just played the living shit out of this thing. My favorite part, the sort of highlight of this game for me, and if you play this, you probably know what I'm going to say, is they had these, uh, this one gun where you would shoot out this, like, little sphere ball thing, and then it would attach itself to the bad guys. You'd hear sort of a drilling sound as the ball would then drill into the bad guy's head and its brains would sort of shoot out. So that, as a young me playing this game, I couldn't get enough of. Uh, I remember laughing. Probably would scare people if they saw me laughing watching this. So, you know that. 
Uh, next, number eight is called A Little King's Story. Uh, probably not too many people heard of this. Again, one of my sort of judging of liking of games uh, is something like this that I just played the living shit out of. It's for the Wii. Uh, I had a Wii for not a great amount of time and eventually got rid of it because I never touched it. Uh, this is one of the few games that I did have on the Wii that did greatly enjoy. So you're a king of a little variety and you're sort of building your kingdom, fighting guys, stuff like that. RPG-like, but with some cool features that I haven't seen before or since. So would recommend it if you have a Wii. Probably get it for dirt cheap now. Okay, next, number seven. Uh, this is a not too much of an order, but maybe a little bit of an order. Number seven, uh, Super Mario slash Duck Hunt. Uh, I don't actually have my original NES. Gave it to my sister many years ago. Never got it back. She lost it somehow. So, not too happy about that. Uh, I had to put this on the list regardless, though, just because this was the first Nintendo game uh, I ever did play and sort of turned me into a gamer from then on. I think, potentially, I did play some computer Commodore 64. I definitely had an Atari as well. But uh, this is the one that stands out, sort of. Like, I don't remember playing Atari. I don't remember what games I had. I do remember that I spilt juice on it and broke it and then sold it at a garage sale. So, <laughs> sorry, whoever bought that. <laughs> Number six, uh, Killer Instinct. Uh, this is sort of a handful of games where it was sort of the perfect time of my life to be playing games with friends. Uh, and I will say that probably, I don't want to brag too much because I'm not a bragger, but nobody could beat me at Killer Instinct. Just in general. They may get lucky from time to time. Herb. But uh, if I was able to pick my character... Uh, and took it real seriously. Nobody could beat me. Uh, I could also play with virtually any character. The only one I couldn't really was Jago. Um, that was the, that was the only player that I was no good with at all and had to be cheap. Could still potentially win, but had to be cheap, so I didn't like playing with him. Uh, Raptor and uh, the Indian guy. Uh, what was his name? Anyways, very, very good. Uh, number five, Banjo-Kazooie. Again, another one where played the shit out of, just love. And this was back in the day where you weren't able to go on Steam and see thousands of games and be able to play whatever you want whenever you want. You sort of had a game, and then you had to play that till it was done. 100%, which Banjo-Kazooie, I did on more than one occasion. Never played Banjo-Tooie, though, which I, I always regretted. I always regretted. Number four, Mario Kart 64 and Super, I have written here in brackets. Uh, this sort of goes on a hand-in-hand -hand with Killer Instinct. And uh, let's throw in number three as well, GoldenEye. These are sort of the perfect time, the perfect age, <laughs> where me and friends would get together. Uh, allegedly, potentially, maybe, not saying 100%, smoke drugs and play these games. I'm not saying that happened, but uh, potentially it did. Uh, really sort of uh, changed the way I uh, thought of games and drugs. <laughs> uh, the memories, or lack of memories in some cases. Uh, number two, Super Mario World 3 and Super Mario 64. This is why I said 10-ish, because it's actually more than 10. But uh, I'm sort of putting things together. 
Uh, similar to Banjo-Kazooie in that play the living shit out of these. Uh, unsimilar in that they that these are better. <laughs> no offense to Mr. Banjo or Mr. Kazooie. Uh, just love, love, love. And the thing about these two games, you can go back and revisit them, where I'm not as sure if Banjo-Kazooie, I could go back and revisit it and have as much fun. Uh, number one, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask and Wind Raker. Uh, I put them all together just because Zelda are some of the best games that have ever existed of all time, and I don't really need to go into too much more detail than that, do I? Because you agree with me, no doubt. No diggity. Today's internet intercore sponsor is Anti-Gulification Facial Peel Cream. Thank you to all the many facial peel creams that have sponsored this episode. So nice of you. Uh, my first couple of items actually are good segues from Game Gabin in that they are video game related and they are from the internet, which is combining the things. Combining of things. Uh, the first is that Bethesda, makers of games like Skyrim that I'm currently playing, and Fallout 3 and New Vegas, which are my two favorite games of all time, uh, have announced that they're going to be at E3, which stands for, what does it stand for again, Electronic Entertainment Expo, or some amalgam of those words. Uh, and the last time that happened, they made big game announcements, as I understand the word on the video game internet streets is. So, what people are waiting for, clamoring for, myself included, and per perhaps even near the forefront, is, a, is an announcement of Fallout 4. So, this is a potential thing that is going to happen at E3, and uh, I would love that very much. So, uh, I just had to sort of throw that into the ether that my desire for this game is more than uh, any other game that could come out. Unless it was a, I don't know, a, a porn star blowjob, uh, virtual, something to do with that, you know? Th that I might be more excited about. Strike that from the record. Moving on to uh, Funhouse, Funhouse, F-U-N-H-U-A-H-A-U-S, mm -hmm. and uh, GameSpot, easy to spell and say. Uh, there are various... Uh, coverage of a video game called uh, The Order 1886. Uh, this is a game that I've been hearing about for, it seems like, years now. <laughs> it's probably just been months. Maybe maybe more than months, though. Maybe into a year and change. Uh, they're just selling the shit out of this game. And by that, I don't mean they're making lots of sales. I mean, everywhere you look, you're seeing advertisements for this game and have been for a long time. And uh, it just came about that... Either definitely or a very strong potential exists that the game is only five hours long. Uh, so this has people in a bit of an uproar in the video game community, specifically the internet talking of video game community, I guess you could say. Uh, and I don't really want to talk about the Order 1886 in particular so much as the idea of 
a video game that you spend 60 plus dollars with tax and uh, ends up being only five hours a, a lot of the professional reviewers of video games say you know it, it doesn't matter uh, if the enjoyment's there, who cares how much it is? And, and they're not even saying it from a, a money standpoint so much as an artistic standpoint. Um, but because I'm not professional, I could say with with full meaning behind it that if I were to buy a game for a full price and it only took me five hours to beat, I would be upset. I would be very, very upset. Uh, I try to get good bang for my buck on one of the funhouse... Uh, talks this there's a guy named spool who spoke of a one dollar per one hour now that's maybe pushing it a little bit if i spent sixty dollars and and played the game for 60 hours i'd be i'd be very very happy with that i don't need to play 60 hours say you give me 25 30 hours for 60 bucks that, that's okay but when you get down to five i don't know what are your thoughts i would love to hear from them let's move on to the last and final item uh this is the one i i sort of most uh i don't know i guess emotional yeah i guess that's a word i'm going to use on this podcast most emotional about and that is um the passing of a, a very very funny man by the name of uh, harris whittles uh i guess specifically i'm going to talk about with regards to uh the podcast comedy bag bang just because i that's my favorite podcast yeah you know what i, I kind of debated saying that that's my f- favorite podcast a couple of times but uh, i think it's safe to say it is it's it's definitely my favorite one and primarily because it makes me laugh harder than no others and now i think i'm also going to have it on the list because it's the only podcast i ever listened to that actually made me cry like it made me tear up i had heard of uh, harris whittle's passing he was sort of a regular on the podcast a semi-regular an irregular and he was a guy who did the podcast often uh and Every time he was on, he would generate laughs in me. So uh, when I heard that on uh, February 19th he passed away, uh, I was shocked because he's a super, super young guy. Let me open up his IMDb page here, as I did. Born in 84, so jeez, that makes makes me feel even worse. Younger than me. I'm born in 81, so... Uh, it sounds like he... I, well, I don't even want to say it. it sounds like potentially he died of an overdose. I, I, I'm not going to say anything about that because who knows if it's true or not. But what matters is that this is a man who just so incredibly funny and talented that is no longer with us. So uh, what I want, my desire here to bring this up, the whole reason that I'm talking about him, uh, is because he has generated laughs in me. And what I want is for people who may not have heard of Harris Whittles to have the same sort of experiences with his uh, comedy stylings that I have had. So uh, there's going to be a link in the description of this episode to hear something called uh, Harris's Foam Corner. Uh, Now, the reason that this is a good sort of jumping off starting point for looking for Harris Whittle's stuffs out there is that these are jokes that he decided weren't worthy of (laughs) <laughs> weren't worthy of Twitter, weren't worthy of writing down and putting in uh, one of the shows that he works on. Uh, he worked on Parks and Rack, he worked on Eastbound and Down. He's been a writer behind the scenes on many, many different things. Sarah Silverman show. Uh, you know what, probably you have watched things 
on TV that have made you laugh that he that he has written. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. So now it's time to take the time. It's time to take the time to sort of recognize him for what he has done. And uh, please just ex- try to experience Harris Whittles. That, that's what I'm going to boil this down to. Try to experience Harris Whittles. Super, super funny guy who has passed too soon. And it's super, super sad. So the end of this. Folks, I guess that will leave the one final thing to say, which is, as always, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. (laughs) I like Ron. And that's from Parks and Rec, which she was a writer on, so perfect. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper